Saturday morning. Hidden Treasures up and running, and we'll be with you in a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Sean, with this topic that we're going to talk about, it's interesting because, again, just want to make this clear that we're not uh, against the people in Christianity. We're actually, we're for them. We just want them to see the reality, see the truth, and then move away from it. And when we bring things up about Christianity, uh, we don't bring it up in a way that we're intending harm to anybody. Uh, we're just bringing it up so that people will open their eyes to see the reality of truth because you have to want to know the truth and want to know it so bad that you don't care how it affects you. When you go after uh, seeking God with all of your heart from that perspective, that is what opens up the door for you to be able to start to see things that you weren't able to see before, that you actually pay more attention to what the Word of God says and what the Bible within itself says. You pay more attention to that and less attention to what man is saying that it is. And you can listen uh, to what people say because there are times when they'll make a statement about a scripture and what they say is true. The issue uh, comes in if you ask them, well, how do I achieve that? Well, they can't tell you um, because you you have to, in order to achieve it, you have to have circumcision of the heart. And that's something that Christianity doesn't talk about, uh, it's circumcision of the heart. And how do you get it? And how does that put you in a place of no sin? And, um, and a lot of it is just misunderstanding. And so uh, we, our objective goal is that and not just uh, Christians, but people everywhere, because people of all different religions fall under this same category, and we'll get into that, that they will open their eyes to the reality of the terror of God, fear God, and then start that path of wisdom to have that, that trembling fear of God. Then you can start the path of, well, I don't want to fear God I want to be a friend, and so I. how do I become a friend of God? And I can tell you, you don't become a friend of God by disobeying what the Word says. You, you don't become a friend of God by saying, God doesn't know what they're doing, that, well, this isn't fair, and that's not fair. 
No, you become a friend of God when you believe in them, when you accept that everything they do is right, fair, and just. It doesn't mean that you understand it. It just means that you recognize and understand for them to be God, they have to be perfect. They have to be immortal. And therefore, I trust that they know what they're doing. I'm not immortal. I'm not perfect. And therefore, I'm not to lean on my own understanding. And so, uh, Sean, do you have anything to bring in at this point? I was thinking that you were going to ask me how I was doing, which I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. But as a, we'll communicate with each other when mother will give us what we're going to be talking about. And I told you this morning that I said another good one in regards to this and, but all of them are good. It, it's all functional. It's all information so that you can make a decision to discover the information or not. And there's something that we're not going to talk about it here, but something that y'all brought to my mind that I was actually up this morning looking into that all of the examples in the physical realm are so that the spiritual can be understood. The spiritual does not come first. The spiritual comes after the physical, just like the old Testament is giving us a physical aspect of the law, the, the written code, the ordinances. It's a schoolmaster to lead us to Messiah, which is the, the reality, not just the shadow. Just as you see a shadow outside, the shadow itself, if you see a figure of somebody, the shadow isn't the reality. The reality is the person. So you have a shadow and it's a picture of the reality, as it says in the word is Messiah. Messiah is the way, the truth, and the life. So what this is leading you to is the reality of the fullness of God, which Yah predestined for the fullness of them to be put in Messiah so that you have the physical so that you can then learn the spiritual. And what happens, and like you said, I agree 100% that with Christianity, where we came from, and it, people may look at it as a bashing. If we really wanted to bash, we could, but the point is, is what we're doing is just bringing out there's more information and understanding that's there that's just not being talked about. We're not saying that Christianity doesn't have any truth because the word does say just as you accepted Messiah as Lord, continue in him. And if you really have accepted him as Lord, then you must continue in him. This isn't a once saved, always saved. It's a because you're not saved until the final day when you're brought up before God and you are separated from not going to the abyss, but you go into the kingdom. So it's faith in Messiah. You have the hope of salvation. And when somebody says I'm saved, well, that just tells me that you just, you have a, an understanding in your own mind of what you think it is, but no, we have the hope of salvation. And with this concept here about denomination, that there's, this is just another, what I would look at as a parable or a picture of, understanding the kingdom of God and the reason that God gave the information in parables was so that seeing that you wouldn't be able to perceive, meaning that I'm going to give this to you. So those that are truly seeking will be able to, by the help of my spirit, will be able to discern this, but
but those who don't, you're going to be, you're going to be in, like I said, I gave them a spirit of stupor that they wouldn't be able to understand for a time. And so the Gentiles can have a time to come in. Then I will open their eyes because they're, Yah has not forgotten his people is that there's the, the quote, Israel of God is the true uh, church, but Yah does what they do out of perfection, which we don't work out of. We, we are perfecting, meaning that we are working more and more being godly, but Yah is already perfected. So everything that they do, they see it from a picture of seeing the full picture. So what they do is absolutely right, fair, and just, and we are in the process of perfecting. But what came to mind with just with this in any podcast is Yah will give metaphors, parables, so that you can dig into it and discover it and get to see what's veiled, which is the spiritual understanding. And when you turn to God, then the veil is lifted. And then therefore you can look into this topic, other topics and say, wow, okay, I can now see the true understanding, which the spiritual is what Yah is wanting us to get. The physical is to help us to understand the spiritual and Messiah had the same thing. Cause they even, he even said that I'm going to speak to you in parables so that seeing you will not see and hearing you will not perceive so that if you turn to me, then you'll be healed. Then like with his disciples, I'll, now I'm going to tell you what the parable of the sower means is that I'll, I'll give, because it's privy for you to know it for these other people that haven't turned to God yet. It's not for them to know, but when they turn to God, they'll know it just like you do. And this is just another understanding that can, that uses a physical worldly thing to understand the spiritual aspect. And we had actually talked about this in our church gathering the other night and mother will do this very often. We'll take what we just talked about to bring it to this side, because there are people out there that are listening that are seeking with all their heart that are in Christianity and just thinking, there's gotta be more to this as I've been sitting here and we get the same message and it's just, there's, I'm just reading the word and there's just more to it. And there is more to it. And our calling here is to present the truth, to lay it out on the table. And it's for each person that really wants to eat and drink. If you want to eat of the word of God, if you want to drink of the living water, come and eat, come and drink. But it's up to you to come to the table and pick it up and drink it, eat it, and discover that the Lord is good, that you'll get to taste that the Lord is good. And you can discover that, yes, it's going to be this kind of just a different taste than I'm used to. But once you acquire a taste of the things of God, then that will taste good to you. And I found this for myself recently, that with foods that I'm eating in the world, that when I make something that is not using all the preservatives and things like I, I went and got a, a watermelon and cut it up and put it in the refrigerator. And I told my wife, I said, so many things just taste so much different, but this watermelon tastes like a watermelon and made me think of the truth of God. Once you acquire a taste is it always has that wonderful taste. It's not going to have that preservative taste or just something that just doesn't taste right. And the, the things in the world have all the, the chemicals and additives and all that stuff. But the word of God, the true word of God, not what people say is, is the sweetest, the best tasting, the most fulfilling, the most nourishing. So, you know, just looking forward to what y'all is going to bring this because, um, 
certain that it will open up people's eyes to this actual term of you think you know what denomination is. And as we get into this, you'll find that you thought that you knew, just like I did. We, we had this question come out and I thought, well, did I speak something that I didn't understand? So we'll, we'll kind of look at this. And then as I was evaluating, I was like, oh, just another way of making sure when you speak something that you know what you speak and there's always more depth to it. And just like different words that we talk about that we think we know that leaning on your own understanding, when Yah gives information to say, look at this word again, and how does this apply to the circumstance? Well, and the sweetness of it is only after you acquire a taste for the things of God. You taste that that the Lord is good, uh, and then it is uh, pleasing to you after that fact. And it is really important, I just want to reiterate this one more time, that in order for you to be able to recognize, see the truth of God, uh, and work within it, there's you you have to seek God with all of your heart. You have to lean not on your own understanding. And you have to be in a position where you don't care how it affects you. If you care how things affect you, then you're not going to be able to find the truth of God because you're not going to go through the process of recognizing that this is good for me. So I'm going to acquire a taste for those things. And it's just, it's really important that a mindset is made up that we're going to seek God with all of our heart. We're going to do it with uh, not leaning on our understanding, because again, God is the one who is perfect, not us. And so we want to lean on their understanding. And you have to be willing to know the truth, no matter how it affects you. Anybody who's going to seek with all of your heart, you cannot be worried about how this faith journey is going to affect you. You worry about walking in the faith journey. And then as you get into it and you get circumcision of the heart, then it's easier for you to walk in and it's easier for you to see more uh, just as the spirit bring things, brings things up. And it's interesting because the aspect of denomination is an aspect of freedom. Okay. But people have to understand that freedom is not an absolute, well, you're free, so you can do anything you want. That, that's why, you know, people take freedom of speech and use it to uh, berate somebody and curse at them and say all kinds of things that they shouldn't say. And what's well, my freedom of speech? Well, you're, you're not even anywhere close to the intention and understanding of what the freedom of speech was about. The freedom of speech was so that the government could not govern your uh, religious uh, affiliations and tell you what you can and can't do and what you can and can't say as it pertains to uh, religion. And it was to take the control of church away from the government. 
uh, because that that's not how apparently that's not how it was in England. So your freedom, it what it does is it frees you from one set of roles, but it binds you to another set, and so you your freedom is you're free from what you left but you are a slave to what you went to and that's that you can't get away from it you you will be free from one and a slave to the other or a slave to one and free from the other it's it's an absolute perspective and this is important for people to understand that freedom is not you being allowed to do whatever it is you want to do and that it's a fact of it what it is is that when you're free that means like if someone came to the united states from russia okay and they defected so now they're they they don't want to go back to the, their country they want to be a part of this country and so they are free from the rules of Russia. But they must follow the rules of this country. If they don't, then you get imprisoned. And depending on which rules it is, there's uh, death sentences for some rules that are broken. And so you don't have the freedom to come to the United States and just, you know, you were a criminal over in Russia and you didn't like the way they treated criminals. So you came here. Well, I'm free. I can do whatever I want to do. No. And this is why it's important for people to recognize that whatever you're embracing, whatever you're going after, you're not free from that because you have to follow and fall under the rules and the guides that go with that. And it's important because the concept of denominations the base of it is a freedom perspective. But the reality is, is that they're doing it from the wrong perspective. They're not seeing it as a freedom from the enemy and a slavery to God. They're seeing it from, well, I'm freed from the enemy, so I can, I can do this however I want to do it. And, God's the same today, yesterday, and forever, and never has God ever changed those ways. If somebody uh, found reprieve from God when they were being wicked, it, then they found that reprieve because they repented, and that repentance was set in place from the foundation of the earth, from the, the beginning of creation. It was already there so that you just put into practice so that God didn't change. And from these these perspectives... Freedom does not give you the right to do whatever it is you want to do. We live in a free country. Well, what are we free from? Well, there's a lot of things that you're not free from if you're going to live in this country. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. And as time goes on, people continue to try to remove freedoms and that we're not worried about that because we find our freedom in Messiah and what our freedom in Messiah does is it gave us the freedom away from sin. So we are freed from the enemy 
So we no longer live according to the enemy's uh, desire, but we must live in accordance to God's desire. And unfortunately, what happens is people take this freedom that they think they have and use it as a, uh, a reason to be able to, to distort the word of God and change it. And it's been distorted and changed so many times that you have to have God teaching you and telling you what it's about and set aside what man says, just like set aside what we say. Listen to what people say, but then line it up with God and the Bible. Does it line up? Is it uh, reality? Is it true? And then decide if you're going to follow, follow it. When we talk about denominations, denominations in, in essence started from the first time that, some, that people didn't want to listen to God. And they decided to split off to have their own, their own thoughts and their own, do their own things, what they want to do. And that's why we have many different religions because people have decided to switch and change. And just real quick, I'm going to read two definitions, and these are two that we went over in the, the gathering here on Wednesday. I want to read the, the ones that are pertinent to this, what we're talking about. Um, denomination, a recognized autonomous branch of the Christian church. Okay, and then uh, for anybody who needs this, autonomous means having the freedom to govern itself or control its own affairs. So where in the Bible does it tell us anywhere that we have the freedom to govern ourselves? If, if that is the way God laid it out, why would the Bible say that you need to have a dependency on God? Those who call on the name of the Lord, why would I call on the name of the Lord? If I have the freedom to do what I want to do, then I have no need to call on God. Oh, I'll call on God when I want a, a genie to pop out of the bottle and give me what I want. But aside from that, no, I've got this freedom, and that's where it's important to understand what freedom is because if you are freed from the world, you are not freed from the law of God. If you are freed from being under the law to being in the spirit of the law, you still must follow the law, but you're freed from being under it. You're freed from the perfect perspective that you have to live it perfectly. And even if you do, you can do, uh, it, it does you nothing, it gains you nothing before God. But then the spirit of it is where you're freed from being under the law to where you don't sin because you're in the law, you're a part of the law, and you agree that the law is good. And uh, Paul said this, do we nullify this law by the faith that we have. 
and he's talking about the original covenant law. Do we nullify this law? Do we remove this law because of the freedom that we have? He says, by no means. We uphold the law by this faith. So there's not your freedom is not to do whatever it is that you want to do and to to make the choices that you want to make because it makes you feel good or it sounds good or it no from the very beginning the kingdom of god runs in a, in in similar fashion to a republic there's a a a law that is set in place and everybody in that community must follow those laws. Even the hierarchy that is running control over the uh, people so that they're living in accordance with what that law says, even they have to abide by that law. God abides by their own law. They're not free from their law. No, they're free from anything that is not of their law. But they are not free. They are a slave to their law. And it's important to understand this, that God never said in the Bible, never insinuated that it's okay for you to depend on yourself when it comes to religion, for you to think for for yourself and if you change some of these rules that we've made, okay, well, it's no big deal. No, I mean, and that's the the problem with denominations is that each denomination has its own set of rules that are a branch off of Christianity. And so in each one of those branches, because we, if we take it and we go all the way back religion-wise, all the way back to the beginning. Well, all those religions that have stemmed from the very beginning, each one of them is going to have some truth that they speak about, that they teach, that they talk about, that they do. But they don't have, they don't put it all together because that would be one people of one mind doing the same thing, which would make them unified and therefore they would be able to discover the reality of truth because when we dig into things, we look into the different religions and we look at some of the different perspectives that each one of the denominations have. And we can say, okay, well, they say this and that's good. They don't do it because they don't know how to do it, but do what they say, don't do what they do. The perspective within this is to understand that you are not free to decide, well, we're going to start a different branch of the Church of Messiah. We're just going to claim that Messiah was the Son of God and he died for sins, and since we do that, well, then we're okay. No, because again, if you deviate from God's plan, even in the slightest little bit, then you've completely destroyed it uh, at all. So the the objective goal is to figure out what the plan of God is and make sure you stay in this. And this is what uh, Paul spoke about 
when he spoke about uh, someone preaching a different gospel. Why were they preaching a different gospel? Because they felt like they had the freedom to govern themselves. And so we're going to, we're going to modify it. We're going to change it. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And unfortunately, that's why we end up in a world today that is going to be very hard for people to escape what they've been raised in, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Muslim religion, whether it's uh, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, it's their programming. And the greatest majority of the time, your programming will overrule because you'll just go right back into the routine because you're not digging into your subconscious and figuring out where it doesn't line up with the truth of God and getting rid of that and putting in new stuff that does line up with the truth of God. And so with this aspect of denomination, it's not just Christianity because we see it in this country. From the formulation of this country in the beginning, the the Pledge of Allegiance says it's a republic. You pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. A republic is not a democratic society. A republic is intended that you take the base set of rules, <coughs> which in this case would be the Constitution, and Everybody abides by that constitution, whether you are in the highest position in government or in the lowest position in society, it doesn't matter. Everybody is going to be held to the standard of following those rules. And if they don't, there will be discipline and punishment. And if they followed in that, then we wouldn't see a lot of the crazy stuff that we see today. But because people were okay with making uh, divisions and splits. And because, look at it this way, Republic was intended to be one people together, working together for the same cause, being united, just like with the Tower of Babel. And so those people being united would be able to build a very strong country. Well, you start getting divisions when you bring democracy into it where you have the Democrats and the Republicans. And then, just like Christianity, they split off into the Independents and the Tea Party, and it just is going to keep going. And all of those people know, or not know, all of those people think that it's the other people that don't know, but we're all in the same government. So it's a good thing. (coughs) That's the same concept that's rolled out in Christianity that you have uh, divisions and Messiah himself said a house divided against itself cannot stand. And with denominations, whether it's in the United States and the split of the government, which brings in turmoil or it's the uh, church that people decide they're going to operate it the way that they think it should be operated instead of, no, there's one set of rules, and that's called the law of God. It's the written code, and everybody will be expected to follow that code, and if they don't, there will be punishment for it. Now, 
if you choose that you don't want to be a part of that country, well, pack your bags and defect. Go to another country. And I don't want it to be uh, misunderstood. I'm not sitting here complaining about this country. Okay? Because politics, I I don't vote right now because the uh, political system that I'm a part of is the one of God that is governed by those, uh, the law. And therefore, I will live according to that law uh, in my faith. And I'll live in this land. I'll enjoy whatever it is that I can, whatever I get in the process of it. But this isn't a uh, religious, I mean, a not a, it is a religious statement. It's not a political statement. It's just using the political form to be able to show that division is what denominations are about. And eventually this country will fail. People don't want to hear, oh, it's the greatest country in the world. Yeah, that's what they thought about Rome. Uh, That's what they thought about Egypt. That's what they thought about many, Russia. Russia was one of the biggest. So don't think for a moment that with the division that's going on, not just political, but social, sexual, uh, man against woman, woman against man, This nation is on a declining uh, decay that people aren't saying. They think that it's it's good and it's, but it's not because you don't have unity, and that's the one thing Paul talked about was the unity of faith by those who are in the church, not divisions within the midst of that. And so I'm going to turn it over to you for a little bit and get your thoughts, and then we'll just continue. Thinking about the enemy's work in this, the enemy's work is to continue the division with the pretense of unity. And I hadn't thought about this until you just spoke about it, that with the Tower of Babel, that when Yah came down and looked at the people and said, with this people being unified like they are, there's nothing that they cannot do. And the reason that there's nothing they cannot do is because of the unity. So that they decided to confuse the language. And one of the ultimate goals of this was because they knew that Messiah was going to come and Messiah was the one that was going to unify the people, meaning that, you have the Tower of Babel in the physical. But when Messiah came, it's the spiritual aspect of, as the word says, that Christ is all and in all, that Christ is the one that's going to bring together and make one new man out of the two, bringing peace, getting rid of the division, because there was division in regards to the people that were of the nation of Israel that were given the law and the covenants and the promises that they thought that they were righteous because they were given the law and that because we were the chosen people of God, that we were given the law and that that's what makes us righteous. But Yah's purpose was, was for them to live that law and then take that law out to others. And because of them not doing what Yah wanted, then Yah opened the door for the Gentiles. 
But ultimately, Yah didn't forget his people, but for a time, so that the fullness of the Gentiles could come in, there was a hardening uh, to make the uh, Israelites jealous. But the whole point was to, Yah had a bigger plan that it wasn't just for the Israelites, it was ultimately the Israel of God, which is in Messiah, the Israel of God is those in Messiah, that that's the chosen people. And the word says that Yah will do a quick work on the earth and they'll cut it short in righteousness because Messiah is the one that is the righteous one. That That is the what is referred to as the Israel of God. That's why a lot of Christians will and could be programmed, well, not could be, but with programming of, well, Hebrews, that's for the Hebrews, but Hebrews is for the Israel of God because the word says, not all Israel is of Israel, meaning just because you've been born as a Hebrew in in physical doesn't mean that you're an Israelite. Um, it says very clearly that a Jew is one inwardly by circumcision of the heart. So with these denominations, which like you said, is an autonomous group, meaning that it's a different set of rules separate, like you're making your own rules separate from the head. Well, in the true faith in God, which is found in Messiah, that Messiah is, as he says himself, I am the vine and you're the branches. The branches are connected to the vine. And it makes it clear that if Yah will cut people off of that tree, but you can be grafted in again. And it's talking about before circumcision of the heart. If you have, uh, you've come to repentance, but then you fall away from it and you're cut off. Yah can bring you back in again. And that's why it's saying, don't boast against the tree saying, well, I don't understand why the people in Israel aren't getting it. Why aren't they understanding Yeshua? Why are they living the old code? And well, because that's for a time, just leave them alone. Don't ridicule them and say, well, you should find the truth. No, because God can, cut you out of the tree, you, you've you been saved, you stand by faith. So even they were, Messiah wasn't bringing about a denomination. They were thinking, well, you're trying to change the law of God and we're going to test you and, and try you because you're you're going against Moses. You're bringing something different. You're trying to change it and say, no, I'm I'm here to tell you the, the true aspect of it, but you're rejecting me. This came to mind, the Catholics. All right, so what you need to confess your sins to the Father. But that's true. That if you confess your sins, Abba is faithful and just who forgave you of your sins. So that's that's truth. But you have the physical aspect of speaking to a father, but make sure that the father that you're truly confessing to is Abba. And when you do that and you prove that repentance by your works and you're tested, then you'll move on to Messiah which Messiah Yeshua has authority to forgive sins as well because he's unified with Abba as well, and that's why he was given that authority. Baptists, we baptize. Okay, well, you say that John the Baptist completely immersed people, and that's what we do. Okay, well, baptism is a complete immersion into the fullness of faith in God, so you have part of it. And Calvinism well, predestination and, and God has predestined that a certain group of people is going to end up in the kingdom. That's true. So you have part of it. But do you have the understanding of it isn't that God foreknew and made the decision for somebody else that you're going to be there no matter what you do? No, it's Yah has predestined those to be conformed into the image of his son. So when you follow the gospel message and you are conformed into his image, then when you have circumcision of the heart, then you are predestined to be there, 
but it's not a y'all just rolls the dice and it oh it falls on Sean and Philip. Lucky for you, but everybody else, too bad. You you don't understand the truth of it, but you have a piece of it. And those are just coming to mind. I'm sure there's others, but it's this circling back around. This isn't saying that we're not bashing Christianity, saying everything you're doing is wrong. No, it's we've been there. We have heart knowledge of it. And it's so much more than you making a commitment to God by accepting the Son of God that He exists. It's There's more to it. And it puts you in a place, if you don't find this and seek it out, then you're going to be in a place where you think you have it. And in the final day, you'll be standing before Messiah, and He'll say, get away from me. And you'll say, well, I thought that I had it. I thought I did everything right. And what Yah wants us to bring is, is that evaluate your life and make sure you find it here. Because when you go there, there is no purgatory. There is no second chance for Messiah to say, okay, well, no, you didn't know, so I'll give you a second chance. And we, we have nothing We have nothing in the Word of God about a purgatory. We have nothing in the Word about a second chance after you die. We actually have the opposite. We have a clearer parable of the rich man and Lazarus that says once you die, that there's a chasm that separates the rich man from the poor, and you can't cross back and forth. So the Word of God makes it clear that, no, once death comes, then judgment, because if not, it would say it's appointed a man wants to die, and then they have a second chance, then they can come back again and and do this or that. So the, the key of the denomination is we're not saying that because if there was a denomination in faith, then Yah would say there's denominations, but in the one true faith, which is in Messiah, there's branches, meaning like there's churches of Messiah that are started all around, but it's not an autonomous branch that's separated from God making their own laws. For example, we have a church here of Messiah and where we live, and we're not making our own laws. We're not making up our own things that we do separate from God. Now, in the freedom that we have from the old way, we walk in the ways of God, and God will give us uh, opportunity to make decisions but we make those decisions based in their truth and going by their guidelines. So they give us freedom. They give us the aspect to be free in doing what we want to do, but what we want to do is the will of God. So Yah agrees with that and they allow us to do that. So if with the denomination, the the key is it's not a, if you're a Christian church and you decide to start a home Christian church, are you actually doing it by the same laws and guidelines of your Christianity? Or are you going separate and making up your own laws and things? Because if you are, you're a denomination of Christianity there. So the whole key in this is that in Messiah, it's one body unified where there is not a denomination in the true faith, because that would mean that you would separate from Messiah and you would be cut off of the tree and it mentions that Messiah is the head of the church. So we are not separating from God at all, making our own laws. We embrace the law of God. We love the law of the Lord, and therefore we walk in it, and we don't desire to be separated from it, because if we're separated, then the word says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we can't produce fruit. We can't do anything separated from the true nourishment of life, the tree of life which uh, the tree of life is mother, that if we don't go by what Yah says to do, then we're cut off. And then 
the word says that if you're outside of that in the end, that will gather up the, the branches and things to be burned in the end. So this is a, it's just speaking to me as it's coming to mind that with the denominations that are there, it's so important that with God, there is no separate branch that you do your own thing, that what you do is going to line up with the word of God. And that's why you do it because you want to do it. And if you have all these denominations, then there cannot be unity because unity is the one body in Messiah. And the word says that there is no slave nor free barbarian Scythian, but Christ is all and in all. And it makes it clear that he was the one that brought the peace to knock down the barrier of hostility, which is division because you had the people that thought by the works of the law, you're righteous and you have the Gentiles that are living by faith. So how are we going to make reconciliation between the two that I've come to bring unity to make one new person, which is the church in me to bring together and unify the two sides that yes, God did give the law to the Jews, but if you follow that law wholeheartedly, even though it wasn't given directly to you, it proves that you believe God. And then therefore you have a righteousness, which is by faith, not by the works of the law. And that's what it says. It says that the Israelites stumbled at that point, but they didn't stumble beyond able to be rescued. They just stumbled and thought that the righteousness came from the works of the law, as opposed to the righteousness, which comes by faith in the son. So for a time that was Messiah was their stumbling block. But if they turn to God and repent, then he won't be a stumbling block. He'll be a precious cornerstone. And that was the point of it. So uh, this is a, just an important thing, especially what I'm getting is that I didn't under have understanding of what denomination was. Now I know that if it's a separate um, cutting off or setting aside or a division of something, if it's a, autonomous, meaning that you make your own set of rules, then that's a denomination. And it's clear that we're not going to be living by making our own set of rules, that we follow the law of God. And just for clarity's sake, even those that claim non-denominational, as long as they claim Christianity they are a denomination because they're just another branch off of Christianity that decides to govern itself by its own rules. And that's why all the churches are not unified because the Baptists do not follow the Methodist way and the Methodists do not follow the Baptist way. The Methodist is built on a, a form of hierarchy where they, there's uh, the Methodist church in essence is that they, the Methodist church as a whole makes a decision and then it gets uh, passed down so that all Methodist church churches follow that perspective. Now we're starting to have even splits within like the Episcopal church and the Methodist church and where, because 
uh, with the homosexuality issue coming into play where some agree with it, some don't. And so now we're getting divisions in uh, within a denomination. We're breaking off into other denominations because we're still going with the idea that we can make up our own ideas and our own roles within the midst of it. Just I wanted to interject. Something came to mind, just an experience in my life, and it made me think of the um, the effort to bring unity, but there's still division. When I was growing up, the church that I went to was a Baptist church, and a Presbyterian church was right across the street. Like literally, you walk 20 feet and you're right across there, and they had a fire in that Presbyterian church, and didn't completely burn it down, but it was pretty bad to where they didn't couldn't go in the sanctuary and stuff like that. Well, the Baptist side invited the Presbyterian people to come over and worship with the Baptist side. And I can't remember how long, maybe six, eight months, something like that, every Sunday. And what they would do is they would have a celebration each year, and they called it Baptarian Day. And you would get together, have one service, have a picnic lunch after, and they would, once they rebuilt, they would switch it like it would be at the Baptist church, then it would be at the Presbyterian, and they did that for years. And it made me just think of that, why did you combine the name? Because, well, we're going to show that we're one together. We're, well, we're not just Baptists or Presbyterian, we're Baptarian, and we're unified, and we're going to come together. Because you heard that, you know, like the Beatles song, Come Together. Well, you may come together, but just because you come together doesn't mean that you're unified. You could come together and still be divided because like you said, the word of God, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So even when people think there's unity, it's still division and with the pretense of unity because you see, well, we'll just change it to where, where we'll be together. But if that was the case, then why don't you all meet together and get rid of the name Baptarian. Why don't you just say we're the church of God? We're under Messiah. Because if you were to say, is Jesus the, is Jesus the head of the church? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Oh, he is. Okay. Then why are you doing things that are opposite of what he did? Well, we're not perfect or, or whatever the argument would be, but it just came to mind that it, it's a pretending, but God can look at it and they know if what these people are doing line up with our truth, then we're unified. If it isn't, then it's division. I don't care what you call yourself, where you meet, what you say. It's still divided unless it's in my son because anything other than the truth of God is Yah's not going to agree with it. So therefore, if Yah isn't with them, even Messiah himself, those that are not for us, or against us. Well, if you're against God, you can't be unified with God. You're divided against God. So I'm just seeing this as, is that it's a, a way to show, well, we disagree with this or disagree with that. Well, if you're disagreeing with what the word of God says, there's a problem. And what about instead of dividing off from another branch, because you disagree, why don't you all go to the word of God and say, what does the word of God say about homosexuality? It says no homosexual will inherit the kingdom of God. So if I haven't repented of this and walking in that repentance, getting away from it, then what are we doing here? Do we believe what the word of God says or not? And it's, and I was just getting ready to say it's a shame, but it's not a shame. It's a reality of if somebody doesn't seek this with all their heart, 
you're not going to find the truth of it. And each person, I was actually listening to this when I was driving yesterday, that each person is going to have to stand before God and give an account and pointing the finger at somebody else for what they've done is, is futile because you are not answer for anybody else. You will not answer for, well, I don't understand why Philip did this to me and that. And God will say, I'm not looking at Philip. I'm looking at you. Why did you do that? Why did you not do this? Why did you? And each person has got to stand before God. So make sure that you find the truth because each person will stand because Paul didn't say that everybody will stand in a group before God and give an answer. He says, no, everyone will stand, will, must appear before the judgment seat of Messiah. And where we want to be is when we stand before Messiah, he sees mother and, okay, come in. Not, Lord, Lord, didn't I? No, get away from me. You practice lawlessness. You weren't of the true church. You were of a denomination that was separate from the truth of God, which was lawlessness. So therefore, get over here. Therefore, you get over there. So that was a, actually, that was a, a really neat point that you just brought out, Mother, through you about non-denominational because that's a way to say, well, we don't, we, we found it. So there we're not of all that stuff, but you are because my sister, they had uh, had a branch off of a Christian church that met for, and it was thing was due to COVID that they met. Well, actually, no, they had met in a school, some kind of school. And then I think because of COVID they had to move out or something, but they had met for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, they didn't meet anymore. And I was like, well, why are you not meeting anymore? Well, this person left, that person left, and it just it just didn't work out. And now she's back at a Baptist church, which was a which is where she came from anyway. So she had a home church that was called something different than Baptist, but then you go back to a Baptist again because that's that's her programming. But it just made me think that make sure that if there's any kind of churches being started, that it's the church of Messiah and it's based on the word of God, because we're even told this in the book of Acts. There was a guy that spoke out and says, the, these men that you're persecuting is that if what they were doing is by God, leave them alone because you'll find yourself fighting against God. And if it's something that isn't that God has ordained, just leave them alone because it's going to fail anyway. But if it's of God, it will not fail and you will be fighting against God. And with these denominations that it's people think that they've got the truth, that this denomination is where it's at. But if that was true and you knew the truth, then why are people not professing that? Get away from all these other denominations because we have the truth and we know we have it. But people don't make those professions. They don't say that this is the truth and I know it. They say, well, we think this, we think that, or leave these people alone or, or whatnot. But ultimately, in Messiah is where the unity is found. And the Word of God says that if anybody brings any other gospel than the one that, was, that you heard, then let you be accursed. Or let them be accursed, but they're under a curse anyway. Because if they're walking in disobedience to God, they're under a curse anyway. So for those that are listening out there, just this should be an eye-opening thing to where 
the denominations are about groups that are branching off from the, the main governing body, making their own laws. And just make sure, especially for those seeking with all your heart, that making sure that that God is the one that you're looking for and not trying to find it in a denominational church or either what would be a non-denominational. If it's being separated, make sure that you're separating yourself from what isn't the truth of God and seeking after the truth of God. And that's the thing, whatever religion you would be in, Christianity, whatever it would be, when you find God that you will leave where you were in that religion, you must, and God will take you away just like he did with the Israelites. You must leave Egypt. You must leave that old life. And you, and the, the bigger picture of that is that leaving Egypt is leaving the life of sin. So you've got to leave Egypt. You've got to leave where you've been before and be separated. And that means that if it's just one person, you may be separated from your wife for a time, your children, your grandparents, uncles, nieces, brothers, sisters, that you'll go through that and you'll feel like that you're isolated, but it it takes a stand to really do that. And the truth of God finding it, it's, um, and we know it's, it's suffering and struggle that it's not an easy path. It's a narrow path, but it's the, to, to find the life, the life of God, you've got to be willing to leave and be willing to put whatever denomination you're in on the side and seek after the truth of God because in Messiah, there is no separation. There is no denomination. And you can find that unity and find a body of believers that you can't even count. Because can you really count the number of those that are with God? Just like he told Abraham that your descendants are going to be so much that just like the sands of the seashore, that you're not going to be able to count it. And Phil, you had in this Uh, the title of this talking about the denomination being in money denomination and money is the way, and we talked about this Wednesday, this is the way that it should be that you it's a, it's autonomous and has its own set of rules. You think about a dollar bill, a $5 bill, a $10 bill, a $10 bill is not going to change to a $1 bill. A $1 bill is not going to change to a $10 bill that they're all, whatever note it is, that's the value that it is. And it doesn't change because it has its own set of, of rules. And that's why it's a good example to have money as a denomination because a quarter is going to be worth 25 cents. It's not going to be worth 50. Now, if you take two quarters and give them to somebody that equals 50 cents, but it's always itself going to be 25 cents, that value is not going to change. If I give you a $5 bill, it's a $5 bill. If I give you five $1 bills, it's $5, but it's five $1 bills that equal five. So that just gives a, just a a great example of that's a true aspect of it's autonomous because you don't change the value of a dollar and we're not getting into because of inflation and all that, like it changing the, the actual, what it's worth, but a dollar is worth what it says a dollar. And I find that interesting is that I haven't looked at the money for a while, but I bet you it probably still says in God, we trust on it, on the, the actual notes. And is that really, is that really, and we know the answer, but does this country that we're in, does it trust in God? And no, they don't. Or you could say God, meaning their own God, but in Yah, we trust is not the, not what America does. 
the God that people serve or the God that they're striving after and the God of the universe. No, that, that's not what they're doing. Um, even to the, the point that, and I, uh, again, with intention, without intention, who knows, but the coins that were made in the past had the president's face facing the end God we trust. Look at a, a new quarter and the end God we trust is at the back of their head. It's on the backside. They're no longer facing the end God we trust, which is just a uh, innate uh, speaking to where the nation stands that I, and I'm not going to say that even in the origin, they had it exactly right, but they were a whole lot closer to what they wanted at that time than what we are now. Cause all those people that revolted against England and I uh, formed this country would be revolting against this country and trying to find a different country because of what it has become in the basis of what they laid out from the very beginning as a Republic. And I uh, just left up to people's feelings and what, what they think is right. And it, it's, it's not good. I, uh, it's really important that people understand what unity is. Okay. Unity is undivided at any point. If we have things we don't understand, then we discuss, we go through the word of God, we talk it out. We let mother, I uh, lay out the reality of the determination of what it is. And then we all agree with it. Absolutely. See, if you can be in agreement with some things that people have, but if you don't agree with everything, then you're not unified in order for you to be unified with something. It has to be whole. It has to be complete and it can't be complete if there's division in the midst of it. And this whole concept with God is the fact that God started this from the very beginning when before he even created Adam and Eve, that everything was set in place. The law was set in place. Everything was there because again, the objective goal is obedience to the law, not perfection of the law. And what did Adam and Eve do? Don't eat of this tree. They disobeyed God. They ate of the tree. They sinned. Actually, the original sin is disobedience to God. And that disobedience, they didn't agree with God. And because they didn't agree with God, they broke unity with God. Because in order for you to be unified with God, this has nothing to do with you. Well, I accept this or I accept that and, and you know, do this for me or do that for me. No. It's a 100% agreement. 100% is everything. If you deviate in any area pertaining to God in 
whether what they do is right or fair or just or good. If you deviate in that at all, you take away unity because unity is a whole. It's in full agreement, and that's the concept of repentance to God, is that when you truly repent, you become in full agreement with God. You were living your life disagreeing with God, thinking that you had the freedom to do what you wanted to do and it would be okay. And now you have faith in God. You, it's an absolute. You have to agree with absolutely everything God does. You can't separate and say, well, I agree with most of what God does, but this uh, hell, it doesn't exist. And uh, no, no, God says it exists. God laid out the uh, understanding that it exists. Messiah spoke about it himself. Uh, Just really important for that unity. And Messiah had that full unity with God. Because he said, I do everything the Father tells me to do. That means I fully agree with doing everything that they tell me to do. Uh, But you can do it out of obligation. You can be obligated to looking into and, well, I'm going to do these things because, well, it's the right thing or I, I... I have to do them if I'm going to be saved. Well, you have to get to a point where you're not doing it for a purpose and a cause of your own salvation, that you're doing it because you agree fully with God. And if you don't fully agree with God, if there's any point that you have contention against something God does or something God did or some law that they have that and and something's not right or something's not fair and and well, you don't have unity with God and you cannot be in the kingdom of God. If you sin, that shows that you are walking in disobedience, which shows that you do not agree with God and therefore you do not have unity with God. I don't care what you claim, you are not going to enter into the kingdom of God, because you're not unified with them. In order for you to be unified with God, you must do away with sin. You must do away with disobedience to God, and you must agree with them absolutely 100%. And uh, God does not lay out anywhere which gives you the freedom to modify and change things. And interesting because uh, the Reformation came about with uh, the concept of Martin Luther and the split off of the uh, Catholic Church um, because Martin Luther didn't agree with the, the Catholic thing. And, and one might say, well, this is where the denominational split started. <clears throat> well, that's not true. It is a split in denomination, but the denominational, uh, the start of the denominational split was when the Roman Catholic Church decided decided that they were the church and not the church in Jerusalem was the uh, the start of the church. And the Gentiles took it over as though it belonged to them, not to the Jews. And no, it belonged to the Jews first, then to the Gentiles only to us because 
uh, some of the Jews had rejected it, but then it was opened up to us. So the very first denominational split to take it upon themselves to make start making their own rules was the Catholic Church. And then from there, it branches off. And interesting, in the Reformation, which brought about more and more as time went on, the splits and divisions and splits and divisions and splits and divisions in the in the Christian church. And, okay, by, by Martin Luther and his teaching, he had three main ideas. And watch the contradiction in these terms, okay? I, the, it's I, I don't know if this is Latin, um, it's uh, sola grata, solified, and sola scriptura, okay, which means by faith alone, by grace alone, by scripture alone. Well, those three right there are contradictions because if you have faith alone, then you don't have grace because faith is alone. And if you have grace alone, you don't have faith because grace alone means that you have it. It's done. There's, so you don't have to have faith because it's already been done or alone by Scripture or Scripture alone. Well, you because they all intend to work together, why would we even in that separate them instead of saying I, the, the true church of God should be worked in these three perspectives of faith, grace, and Scripture? But the contradiction in it, and then uh, one of the questions that pops up on Google is, why is the Reformation important today? And and this speaks to, uh, yeah, it's very important for Christianity, for them to be able to do what they're doing. Uh, because listen to, listen to why it says that the Reformation was important. The Reformation is a reminder of how important individual freedom is, and the action is required if freedom becomes restricted. Okay, well, if uh, if this is all about individual freedom with the, the mindset that people have in society today of what freedom is, then you have a house that's completely divided. And it's interesting because I don't care what side you're on. Without faith in God, you don't see that your contradiction to the things that you say and your hypocrisy, that you'll say something, but you'll carry it, you'll, you'll speak against one thing, but then you'll carry it out in a different perspective, but it's the same thing, and think that you're okay in the midst of it. And it, it's a sad reality that people think that they have the freedom to change what the Word of God says, to change it to fit what people's itching ears want to hear because people want to feel good. They don't want to know the truth of God. They want to feel good. And if you're in a position where you're making people feel good, 
oh, you're going to have thousands and thousands of followers and you're going to have people who are just praising you because of all the, the stuff. Oh, you're just so great. And you're doing all this and God bless you and all. And the reality is, is that you're just coddling them, telling them what they want to hear. And you're enjoying the fact that they're accepting you. But they don't really accept you. Because the moment you speak about something that they don't agree with, there's no unity. Because now we're going to berate you and we're going to uh, put you down instead of, hey, you made this statement about this thing. Uh, can we talk about it? Well, let, let's, let's talk it out. And unfortunately, in Christianity, there is no absolute agreement in Christianity. They agree that Messiah was the son of God. How different? How is that any different from all the other religions in the world that believes that there's one true God? For those religions, they believe there's one true God, but they're not unified. If they were, like you had said earlier, they would be one church. And the church was never uh, intended, and at the time... Uh, of the start of it, and when Paul, Peter, James, and John, when they were preaching, it was one church. The church in Corinth was expected to operate exactly the same as the church in Ephesus, and the church in Ephesus was expected to operate exactly the same as the church in Rome and so on and so forth, because that's what unity, the bond of unity that Paul spoke about, is necessary. Why? Because we're in full agreement. Anybody who has circumcision of the heart will be in full agreement with what we're saying. And if we come to a point where we aren't seeing, uh, aren't seeing the reality of it, then we take time and we evaluate and we dig into the word and we ask God and then we get clarification. But when we profess it as truth, it will be agreed upon by those who are in circumcision of the heart because we have full agreement in the midst of it. And again, your, your programming is that well, you have the freedom to do what you want to do, and that, that's what freedom's about. No. Your freedom in Christ is to be freed from sin, to be freed from the control of the sinful nature, that the sinful nature is your master. Uh, just like Cain was told by God, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must master it. Well, the reality is, is that Cain proved by his actions that sin was mastering him. Sin had a grip on the door of his house, which is the heart, which is the sinful nature on the heart. Sin is crouching at your door. Sin is in your heart. You must master it. So the objective goal, even from way back in Genesis, is how do I get to the point where I can master sin? instead of sin being the master over me, instead of me abiding in working in accordance with what's in disagreement with God, that I'm going to obey, I'm going to figure this out. Well, 
nobody was capable until Messiah uh, finished his work to actually have circumcision of the heart for that to happen. But that's why we had the forgiveness of sins. Anybody who repented to God, who was unified with God in the absolution of agreement with God, then they were credited with righteousness only to get that debit of righteousness after Messiah had finished his work and went down to the depths of the earth. That's when their credit of righteousness, that forgiveness of sins, was then given to them that their sin was completely removed. Well, we live in a day after Messiah, so we have the ability for our sin to be completely removed prior to us dying because Messiah finished his work and the finishing of his work brought about the circumcision of the heart. And so when we look at this, uh, it's division is running rampant everywhere. And you had said earlier, that is the work. That is the work of the enemy. The enemy is not to get you to get away from religion. The enemy is not to get you to completely just set God aside. Now, if they can, they'd be, they'd be happy for that. But their objective goal is division. As long as, they, as long as you are divided in faith perspective, then he's got you. The, the enemy's got you, and there's nothing you can do about it until you repent. And so it's very, very, very important to, that people who are seeking with all of their heart know that, one, the freedom that you get in Messiah is not freedom to make your own rules. It's you have the freedom now to live according to the law of God, where before when sin was your master, you didn't have that ability because sin mastered you. After circumcision of the heart, you master sin. Now you have the ability to abide in the law of God. And again, going back to that's what Paul said, do we nullify this law by the faith that we have? No, we uphold the law, but we don't do it from being under the law. We do it from being in the law. We do it by the spirit of the law. And so that's the objective goal because in essence, This division, Paul has it, I mean, not Paul, uh, the enemy has it everywhere. And Paul spoke about the aspect of uh, false teachers and that we're going to bring heresies that are not in line with the true gospel of God. But if you don't believe that, then you're not unified with Paul. And Peter makes a statement. Peter says that, yeah, some of the stuff that Paul talks about, are, it's hard to understand because uh, it's spiritually discerned. But just because it's hard to understand doesn't mean that it's not true. Doesn't mean that it's not, uh, you don't have the ability to understand. But if you're going to be unified with God, you have one full true agreement with God. It's the word of God. What God says, you will obey. You don't care about what God did to the men, women, and children in the, in the past. You don't care the fact that of what about somebody on a remote island? No, I agree, God, with you 100%. And however you handle those situations, I trust that you're 
you know what you're doing because you are perfect. And that's the one thing we can't grasp is we can't grasp perfection until we reach it. We can think about what it is and we can see improvement in our lives to see I am getting closer and closer to that goal. But until I've actually been perfected and know with head knowledge what that's about, I can't really understand it. And that's another reason why the word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because you're trusting in the Lord is trusting that they are God. They know what they're doing. And you don't need a whole lot to make that decision. It's a choice that you make. Evaluate. Well, what does it mean for them to be God? Well, for them to be God, they have to be perfect. That means that anything they do, you can't complain against. And if you do, you're not in full agreement with them. And if you're not in full agreement with them, you're not unified with them. And if you're not unified with them, you don't have faith in them. And that's not me. It's the word of God that lays it out that way. And I would challenge anybody, look for, find in the word of God where it says that you have the freedom to govern yourself as a church without following the guides of God. And again, this is why we renounced Christianity. Here's what's interesting, because we did actually, when we started this gathering, we started as another denominational split. And it happened because we saw that things weren't being worked in appropriation with the reality of God. We took on a name that God gave us rather than recognizing that that was a persona that God was giving us, not a name. And we started using that name because that's, well, that's what churches do. Well, it's New Life Gospel Church. Well, that wasn't a name. It was what we were doing. We're bringing revived life to the gospel message given to us by God. It's not like we're uh, conjuring this up our, on our own. No, we're bringing new life to the gospel message directed by mother, but that's not the name of a church. It's the persona of what they gave us. And we had a church sign that we ended up having to take down. And now we don't refer to ourselves as new life gospel church. We know that that's what our calling is to bring new life to the gospel, but, or renewed life to the gospel, but we are of the church of Messiah, the way, not Christianity. We have, since we have separated and divided away from Christianity because Christianity is a house divided against itself. And anybody who has true faith in God will separate from Christianity. Not talking, you don't have to be hateful about it. Just recognize that it's not the true path. And now leave Christianity, but seek Christ because Christ is unified. So if he's unified, then we we have the one thing that we can trust in. And this aspect of division is not just in the Christian church. It, it trickles all the way down into each individual denomination. And then in each div- individual denomination, it trickles down into the uh, relationships and the families 
that there's division. And even in a family where somebody has circumcision of the heart and the other one doesn't, they're not, they are not unified. Now you can be unified with God, but not unified with your spouse because either you or your spouse aren't being unified with God. And therefore you can't have that bond of unity that's intended for a human relationship because it's the, the, the Bible even says that man is not independent of woman and woman is not independent of man, but we sit in a society where everybody's trying to be their own. Uh, they're, they're trying to do it on their own instead of depending on the strengths of each other to actually be unified and be in full agreement with each other. And when we find full agreement with each other, we find unity and we find unity. It cannot be torn apart. It cannot be uh, entered into by anybody else. It, it's it's locked in solid, meaning that it it can't be destroyed or it can't be torn apart by anybody else. Because once it's made whole, it's whole. But until that bond of unity, that bond of agreement, and this is why even in circumcision of the heart that we seek to be unified, to be in agreement. And if there's a point where we don't see that we agree, then we go back and we evaluate until we see it from God's perspective. And then when we see it from God's perspective, we will agree upon it. And therefore we are one undividable perspective of the church and it is not a denominational perspective for the church of God. It is a uh, set up like a Republic that you have the law of God, God themselves who are the governing authority over that law live in accordance with that law. And because they do, then they make everybody else who's going to be in that unified uh, community, you must abide by these rules and laws, and you don't get the freedom to change it because you don't like it or you doesn't feel good or that's not that's not their problem. This is why you need to evaluate what it is you want when you're seeking after faith and then go after it. And but know that there's a cost. There is a cost for faith, and it could cost you your job. It could cost you your family. It could cost you uh, your house. It could cost you everything you have. <clears throat> so weigh the fact that it could cost you everything you have. Are you still willing to be unified with God in full agreement, regardless of all that happens? And if you are, and you profess that, well, everything may be taken away, but at least you're going to be tested to see, are you still going to stand even when your uh, kids don't like it, even when your wife doesn't like it, when your friends don't think you're doing what's right, when your, your brothers and sisters think that you're crazy and you, are you still going to stand within it? For me, Absolutely. I had to have that mindset in order to do that because 
I had to set aside my kids for a time. I had to set aside my wife for a time. I had my, I still have family members that, you know, if we talk, it's about worldly stuff. It's not about godly stuff because they don't want to, um, breach those conversations, uh, for whatever reason. And, but being respectful, unless God tells me to say something to them, I just leave them alone, let them live their life. I'm not going to uh, browbeat you because I think you need to know the truth. No, I, I, I know you need to know the truth, but if you don't know it, that's not on my shoulders. It's not my responsibility. I will speak. If God tells me to speak, I will obey God. I will tell you what God wants me to tell you. And then aside from that, you're on your own. It, it's not my responsibility to save you. I can't do it. Only you with God, with full agreement with God, and anybody who is in full agreement with God will be in full agreement with each other. That's that's a, a must in the midst of it. So if you think you have circumcision of the heart and you have the right to have division with somebody else who has circumcision of the heart, then you better evaluate what you're supposed to have when you have circumcision of the heart, because the circumcision of the heart brings that bond of unity, which is full agreement. Why would I not fully agree with you as we talk about faith things if we're unified in God and it's all about God anyway? We must be unified from those perspectives. Now, there will be areas that we won't be unified from the worldly lower conscience perspective and nor should we be because that's where well hey phil you 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 see you did this oh wow i didn't recognize that no uh, i'm not going to do that well you shouldn't agree if something that uh, has come out is wrong if there's an overflow of the heart from the programming no but my objective goal is unity and wow I'm going to evaluate that and make sure that I'm walking appropriately according to God to the best of my ability. And therefore, there's not going to be any splits, any divisions. It's all going to be unified and everybody will be in agreement. And that's necessary in the process of faith. And this is why we speak away from the denominational perspective, because denominational perspective brings division, just like democracy brings division. You, you, you're Democrat, I'm Republican. And here's the interesting thing. Generally, you will vote in accordance to what your family's always voted from a general sense, not always, but from a general sense, you will vote in accordance to what your family always voted because that's what your programming is. A lot of people really don't know the life of the individual. And a lot of times, unfortunately, whether they're Democrat or Republican, there's a lot of crooks and criminals and a lot of people who are doing things that are inappropriate that you don't know about, that if you knew about, you probably wouldn't have voted for them, but you voted for them because they carried the banner that you knew, Democrat, Republican, and, and we have, you know, divisions of Democrats and Republicans. But you also have, in the midst of the Democratic Party, you have right, left, middle, 
And same thing in the Republicans. So you you even have divisions in there. And those divisions, I'm sure, even go farther. So it's a nation that in the, in the end, I don't know a time frame in it. And I'm not concerned about that. Uh, I'm concerned about the things of God. Uh, this nation will not be able to stand. If nothing else, it will self-destruct from the inside, from the division of people who have guns and people who don't want you to have guns. And we're going to have a possibility of a, a civil war from different perspectives. Why? Because we're not unified. We were much more unified in the past. But there were still divisions there, and those divisions just keep going. And every time somebody branches off again, it just waters it down that much more and then that much more. And so that's the from the faith perspective. And the objective goal is if you're going to seek God with all of your heart, you have to go back to the beginning. You have to go back to the origin, and you follow what God says and what the reality of the prophets said, and uh, the, the coming of Messiah, knowing that God is perfect, and you follow their law and their rules because they're the ones that uh, are governing over it. And you must find a place where you absolutely fully agree with them. Now, you have to find a place of surrender, but in order for you to actually repent to God. And this is what people don't understand. Before, you weren't walking in agreement with God. Now, if you truly repent, you walk in agreement with God. And that agreement means everything. You cannot separate. Well, I don't think it's right that, that hell exists, or I don't think it's right that God did this to men, women, and children. And no, you can say, well, I don't understand these things. And I'll ask God if they'll uh, clarify them for me and help me to understand. But I agree that whatever they did was right, fair, and just, whether they did it in the day of Cain or they did it in the day of Sean and Philip. It doesn't matter. It's still the same. And God is unchanging. God is the terror, the same terror today that they were in the beginning, the same God that destroyed the earth and killed all the people on the earth except for eight. And that is the same God that exists today, but that's not the God that exists in the minds of people and in Christianity. In the minds of people in Christianity, God is, is not the terror. God is the softy, and he's going to do everything for you, and he's just going to make everything right. Everything's going to be fine. And unfortunately, those people are going to find out in the end that you didn't have unity with God. And you knew you didn't have unity, but you were trying to figure out how you could connect yourself to the thing that can save you without actually connecting yourself to the thing that saves you. Thinking about the work of the enemy, which is the division. And I've seen this so many times where people will make a challenge and they don't intend to do it. They out of emotion, it'll be like, well, the devil can't touch me. And I had this thought. People may think that, well, the devil is just, man, when people say that he gets all upset and he's, he's just looking to strike and all this stuff. And I had this thought with that, that 
as long as people are sinning and they're not working to get away from sin, first through repentance and then removal through circumcision of the heart, that the enemy knows that that's what the dividing line is. And it doesn't matter if people will sit there and say, well, you know, I accepted Jesus and the devil can't stay here and, and we, we, we rebuke him and he's gone. And the enemy's not even paying attention to that because as long as you're divided by sin, I'm going to hide in the background and I'm just going to keep dividing you and dividing you. It made me think of a neighborhood. You've heard this term that you have a subdivision. Well, yeah, you have a plot of land that's been divided off of another, but within that you have subdivisions, different different areas where you build houses. And it's just like this. You have subdivisions, all these denominations, the, the Catholic, the Protestant, the, not the Protestant, the, the Catholic, and then the Protestant side, like the Baptist and Lutheran, all that. But with sin, the division is already there. So now when you start preaching, teaching the word of God, the truth, and you tell people to repent of sin and see God as a terror and in Messiah where sin is removed. Now you're taking food from the enemy's mouth. That's why be on guard and you're seeking true faith in God, because when the enemy, Oh, you're trying to break away from me now. And you understand these things. Oh no, that's not happening because what I've seen is this, and we've seen it. And you know what I'm talking about when I say devil can't touch me because we were there when that person said that. And then a day or so later, he gets beat up in his apartment complex. Somebody, he gets attacked. Well, it's not for you to, and that's the thing. We're not in a position to confront or challenge the enemy because God will say, don't do that because we've given him power to do what he's doing. And it's not your place to call him out. You don't have the power within yourself to fight. So if there's going to be just like when the angels were arguing over Moses, Moses's body, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not in any place to rebuke. Let let that in the hands of the perfect one to lay all that out. So the the level of division that's there, but people will just, I've just seen so many times like this where, well, yeah, you tell the devil to leave and he has to listen. It's like, well, if we were to tell the enemy to leave, it's going to be by God anyway. And God is telling them him to leave, which he must leave, just like with Messiah that the demons had to leave because he said, hey, it's time for you to go. And I had this thought with the unity, with the, which is with the fullness of God, the truth of God, that Messiah, Yeshua, he, in the letters that were given to the seven churches at the time, each one of those were mentioned. It wasn't a denomination. It was the church in Laodicea, the church in Philadelphia, the church in Sardis, and others. And I just, this just came to mind. It says that Messiah walks amongst the golden lampstands, which at that time he was talking about the, the, the church was that golden lampstand. Well, even to this day, the churches that are of him, he walks amongst the golden lampstands and he does just like he does. Then I have these things to tell you, I have this against you. Repent of this or else this will happen. Repent of this or else this will happen. And it's for each specific church, but it's for all of them. And a lot of people will look at that and say, well, that's just talking about a church age. And no, he was speaking to that specific church, but everything that he said in that, 
it would be wise to take that to heart to the believer in him because each one that he's mentioning, it applies to everybody to where if he says, I see that you have a love for this, but I have this against you. Well, oh, wait a minute. Well, I'm doing that. Well, I'm going to repent of that because the son of God says that this will happen to where a lot of times that'll be put aside and say, well, that was back for them. But no, you read those letters because if it was to be done away with, then God would say, well, don't look at those letters to the churches, just ignore it. But we ourselves have had a letter written by Messiah that way to us, each individual saying by certain things, do this, change this, or else this will happen. And Yah has been doing that in our gathering as well. And something that stood out to me in that was the one that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So Messiah is the head of the church. Mother works within the church teaching and guiding. So even with Messiah, he's saying, listen to what mother is saying in these sayings, be earnest and repent or else this will happen. And if the people don't repent, then these things will happen. So Messiah is doing that. As in the word, it says that those that I love, I rebuke and discipline. So if you're not rebuked and disciplined, then you're illegitimate children. And the devil's work, just as I'm speaking about this, the devil's work is division, but it's to keep people sinning. Because the way to get people away from the enemy is to get them to turn to God. And Messiah told Paul that I've sent you to turn people from Satan to God. Well, it's to repent to God and then have faith in me, which therefore you can have sin taken out of your heart, put in your body of flesh, and then therefore you can be unified with us because the the division started at the beginning with the eating of the fruit. And as long as I can keep that division going and make people feel good and all these things, then I've got people right where they want them. And what will happen is people will attempt to blame the enemy for it. And nope, you can't blame the enemy for it at all. All the enemy can do is influence but you've got to be motivated within yourself to actually turn to God and say, no, I'm not going to live in sin anymore. I'm going to live for the will of God. And that's what I'm going to do. And the enemy had his one chance when mother, after Messiah was baptized, mother drove him out into the wilderness. And it was the enemy's chance to get Messiah to sin, to disobey God, even in one point. And if he would have done that, then we would all be lost because Messiah himself wouldn't have been able to return to the Father, and we would not have any chance of salvation. And every time he came to him, the word of God was put right back to his face. No, the word of God says this. Well, why don't you do this? No, the word of God says that. And anything because he was sent out to prove that he couldn't be tempted because his mind was set on obeying God. And if the enemy could have got him to sin, then all of the plan of God would have been gone because Messiah couldn't return. No eternal life could be brought in. Circumcision of the heart. My mother couldn't be brought in. And that's the thing. If you are on the, the, the true path of God, that you will be taken out into the wilderness to be tested, just like Messiah did, to prove your faith genuine in the circumstance. But yeah, the this is just a beautiful way Yah is doing this with. We, we were talking about division and unity and then getting uh, more detail about the division and the unity aspect of this, which is very excellent. Good to have an understanding. Well, it's important, the aspect that you just brought up about Messiah being taken into the desert to be tempted. 
well, what was the purpose of that? Was to show his full agreement with God. No, I agree with God over what you're saying. And so I'm not going to coddle or cater to your uh, thing. I'm not going to uh, collapse underneath of it. I'm going to believe what the word of God says. Yes, I'm hungry, but uh, my, my food is not of this world. It's of God. And so he was showing the full agreement. And in that situation, that is showing what anybody who uh, is lined up for circumcision of the heart, you have to go through that time of temptation and then prove your uh, loyalty to God, prove your unity to God. And when you do, then you get to circumcision of the heart. And it's interesting because that wasn't the only moment that the enemy came at Messiah, but it's the only one that we have that is laid out in scripture the enemy specifically coming at him because at the end of that it says that the enemy went away waiting for a more opportune time so the the enemy was continually at times trying to find messiah in a week uh, a weaker state of mind to get him to uh, cave you know the fact of uh, when he appeared through Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Well, because I don't agree with you. I agree with the things of God. So get behind me. But if you argue with any point, if you have any point of contention with God, then you're not unified with God and you're divided. And if you're divided from God, you will not end up in the kingdom. This is just a fact of it. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who will reject this aspect, but we don't, that doesn't matter to us. This, what we're doing is for those that want to really know the truth. And this is the truth. And you don't have to listen to us to see it. Get into the Bible and see, get into the Bible. Uh, if you can show me where God uh, gave the authority for people to govern themselves, Look at what happened when they cried out for a king to govern them instead of God. Well, they got what they asked for, but there's a lot of troubles that came along with that. And no, God is my king. I want God is the one that I'm going to obey. And if you don't understand that or you don't like that, that's not my problem. I, I, I don't say that with uh, ill intention. It's just a fact of truth. Whatever God's about, whatever they say, whatever they do, that is what I agree with. And if you are contrary to that, you don't have to deal with me. You deal with God. And it's not going to be a pleasant thing if you're in the presence of God without having the faith, the unity with them, because that's what faith is about is your unified perspective with God. And then when you're unified with God, you will be unified with everybody who has the exact same faith. And there will be no divisions by denomination. The only division will be by, by area. We will follow and abide by the same rules. And I don't think that our gathering here is the only one God has. We haven't come across anybody who's 
uh, teaching the same things that, that we're teaching so far, but that doesn't mean that they're not out there. We're, we're, God's a lot bigger than just us here, but when we come across those people, if God gives us the, uh, the ability to do that, come across those people, we will, those, if those people who are circumcised in heart will be in full agreement with us and we will be in full agreement with them. And that's because that's the way it works is we have to be unified and the church has always been intended to be unified and show me in the Bible where it was ever professed for it to be up to a denominational perspective that you have to make sure that you make your rules and then you live by those rules and that's okay. It's not there. You're not going to find it Old Testament. You're not going to find it New Testament. You're not even going to find it in the uh, pretense or the perceptions of God because it has always been unity with God and you cannot have unity with God if there's division. And this is why we want people who are seeking with all of their heart to open your eyes and see the reality and, and start on that journey to flee from the abomination that causes desolation. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about Christianity. I'm talking about any other religion that does not walk in a full perspective of unity with God falls under that condemnation and repent to God Seek God with all of your heart, repent to God, obey God, and trust God, and you will be unified with them. You will open your eyes to see it, and then when you see it, it's your choice to decide if that's what you're going to follow, but it's going to bring division in your house. It's going to bring division in your work. It's going because we need to be set apart and my bond of unity is with God, not with people in the world. And we've said this before, as I have that bond of unity with God and you have that bond of unity with God, then we will have that bond of unity together. Whether we're friends, whether we're husband and wife, whether we're uh, father and son, mother and daughter, father and daughter, mother and son, it's, it will all be unified under one head, which is Messiah, not under many heads, which is the denominations in the churches. No, we're under one head, and that's Messiah. And Messiah is under one head, which is Abba, the Father. So just I, there's some really important and good information that we're going to Again, anything we could probably just continue on and on, um, but we're going to bring this podcast to an end, and I, uh, well, we're going to bring this session, session right. <laughs> to an end, um, and we just want people to seek God with all of your heart, find the unity of faith in God. And then those that have faith in God will be unified. And if you see an area where there's divisions amongst uh, many peoples, then get away from it. 
flee from it. Get away from the abomination that causes desolation because if you continue in that, you will find that you're in that desolate place. And so for this morning, we're going to uh, finish up and sign off. And uh, if anybody would like to contact us, uh, we do have that email at Hidden Treasures Revealed at AOL.com. And then either on Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook page, Hidden Treasures Revealed, and you could message us through Messenger. Um, if that's, uh, if you have questions or if you um, want to start a dialogue, dialogue of talk or whatever it is, uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. So for this morning, for Sean and myself, everybody have a good day. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And God willing, we will be back on Tuesday at 730, seeing what Mother's going to bring to us. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure non-stop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.